Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway, better known as the Dog Max, the Dog Go, the Dog Now, the Dog... Wait, HBO Max, HBO Go, HBO Live. All right. Hold on. Hold on. I mean, uh, let's just start off with the brand. I know we have more serious issues to talk about and that Kara Swisher's at the center of all of it, which I'm it sure is. you hate. But anyway. No, you know what? You're just jealous that I can make I things happen. Go I ahead. Am. Go for it. But you I are Anderson about... Cooper's boyfriend. That is that is. Hi, Ando. I'm going on tonight. You're not his boyfriend. You're his like, you're like his mentor. You're you like know. his professor. You're his professor. Let me I just am. correct that. You're not his boyfriend. You're his professor that he's always wanted. He's dreamy. And Sanjay likes me too. Anyways, I, back, Sanjay to, doesn't know what back to, to the brand architecture Let's of HBO. Clear. It's as if the company was purchased by a telco. Oh wait, it was. Yeah, I know. This what is literally. Deal? I've got them all on my my phone all now. I don't know which one to click. What, what are they thinking? Right. I mean, literally, what are they thinking? Well, can and you by the tell way, us? Can you help our our listeners? What are the di- what's the difference between Go Max and the other one? Whatever. Well, that's the problem. There, nobody knows. And. Right. Brand architecture is supposed to be an organizing principle that you know creates a whole that's greater than its greater than the sum of its parts. So it makes sense that when Old Navy launches, it's Gap's Old Navy to give it some credibility, and then yeah. if it gets its own wings, it becomes it. Old Navy from Gap, and then it leaves the next and becomes Old Navy. Morgan Stanley, right. Dean Witter. So the Dean Witter customer base flows up to Morgan Stanley over time. They drop it. Brand architecture is super complicated, super important in an era of consolidation and M and A. But when you are doing product development and competing with super smart people with tons of capital like that Disney. have very simple brand architecture like Netflix or Apple TV Plus, and you start going HBO Go, HBO Now, HBO Max, HBO, and they and got rid of one of them, didn't they? Or did they, they're all on my phone. I, I don't I explain. Do you know the difference between? I them? have absolutely one is no if idea. you're a user of them. One of them doesn't work this at all. This is okay. So first off, this is the beginning of the end for John Stanky because if the CEO can't get his shit together around basics such as brand architecture around what I believe is the crown jewel mm-hmm. of the Time Warner Empire, HBO. You're going to see HBO's streaming network, which just launched, which is just a shit show in my viewpoint. It's everything from Bugs Bunny cartoons to it just Friends, it has absolutely yeah. no clarity around what it is. No, Apple TV yes. Plus is moving into their, taking their luxury position, and HBO Max is going to be, or whatever they're calling it, it's going to be a big disappointment, and that's going to be the string Oh. That not only unwinds Stanky as CEO, Stanky, but unwinds stanky. unwinds uh, pulls the curtain back and shows mm-hmm. that they overpaid for Time Warner, yeah. and Time Warner's uh, CEO at the time was incredibly smart to punch out and sell it at an all time high, 
And the investment bankers are going to get to work, and AT and T is going to spend Time Warner within the next thirty six months. This All just right. isn't working. Yeah, it isn't this working. Isn't yeah, it does. Anyways, I, I'm sorry. We, back you know who we have to you. get you on. Cost- you know who? You know, listen. You know who we have to get on? Richard Plepler. I'm going to give a call to the Plep who ran HBO beautifully for so many years and knows all from the brands. Although he did start all those goes and nows, and I remember complaining to him at the time, but there wasn't the back, there wasn't this big a deal with HBO Max. I don't know if I have a subscription to HBO Max, even though I pay like a fortune for HBO. That's the thing. I don't even know if I can use it or do I have to now pay another bunch of money? It's like crazy. It's, it's really quite crazy. Well, this is what happens in every marketing I don't know. I was meeting. thinking that last night because I want to watch this Anna Kendrick thing about, you know, being a millennial, like the new Sex in the City, and I don't know if I can. What's that? I like this. I like this. Well, it was reviewed in the Times. It's called, I don't know what it's called. It's Anna Kendrick, who's just adorable. She's adorable. And it's about, it's like a series about, you know, modern love, essentially. And you Hmm. follow her through like 10 boyfriends or something like that, or nine, whatever. There's a voiceover. It's very Sex in the City, but apparently it's quite good. Apparently it's Hmm. quite good. But I don't know if I can, I'm not going to pay $14 for it anyway. So, look, back to real news. Yes, you have news. set off a firestorm. Firestorm! Right? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I heard you were just I on the phone. I still got it. I, I, you do still got it. You never <laughs> lost it, baby. <laughs> I didn't You never it. lost it. I still got it. Seriously, you are boom, all stalls and no I, chip. Can I just say boom? Sharks have an hour have, a week on you. Can I have? Mm-hmm. A, can I say boom? Can I take your boom? 100% go. Boom! Oh my yeah. God! I, this is—I am not liking the way this is turning out. Anyway, I'm so I'll liking. just i am going to go back. So uh, I'll give a little bit of uh, a script here, and then you—you—you you, you right, tell okay. us what happened. All right. Okay. So, Kara, you catalyzed, or you were the spark in a firestorm. You called this a Gordian knot in your column. This whole Twitter controversy. Give us a rundown on what's happened here. I wrote a column in the New York Times about how President Trump amplified a false story about a deceased woman. I'm not going to go into details about him, but he's proliferating a lie. Uh, She died of a heart condition. She fell, hit her head. According to Trump, he's pushing a debunked lie that she was killed by MSNBC host and former Congressman Joe Scarborough. What I did is I I talked, I had a letter from the widow of this woman, and it it had a lot of emotional impact. I I did not focus on Joe and Mika, or Joe Scarborough in this case, because it's not the point. This is not, this is a conspiracy that has been going around the internet, and I'm sorry he's being accused of murder, but I I focused on the widower of this woman who's being impugned by President Trump, because he didn't just recycle the conspiracy theory. He made all kinds of weird allegations about it and in in the process, you know, dragged a dead woman across the uh, national stage for his own political gain. And so I wrote that. I wrote that. So um, what's interesting about this is that it then led to Twitter to take action somewhere else, which was around mail-in balloting. They, They didn't they didn't think they had him on this one, I guess. And so they they put they did mail-in ballots and they put just the most, you know, baby step of a thing saying, learn really more about mail-in ballots. But it did link uh, to stories that debunked what Trump was writing about mail-in ballots. Mm-hmm. And it also labeled it potentially misleading. They couldn't even just say misleading, but they said potentially misleading. And so, um, so then Trump, of course, freaked out because he's never been, what's really important here is that he's never been, um, punished on this platform. He's never been stopped. Even though Yahoo does this all the time, Facebook does this all the time. So the whole thing is just a mess. And then they he's put he's putting out this executive order that is trying to get rid of 230, Senator Josh Hawley and others, uh, 
are, are trying to, to put that put legislation around it. Um, and they're doing sort of the dumb version of tech legislation, which means tech will not be legislated. It's because it's a react, you know, Trump didn't get his rocket, Elon didn't put the rocket up for Trump, and therefore on the way home, on the back of an envelope, he put in, he wrote an executive order that's so badly done, I've talked to so many people all night last night, um, that it's going to ensure that the allies of really good tech legislation are not going to join with this, and therefore... What are they proposing, though? I know it's already bifurcated oh. into good legislation, bad legislation, but yeah. what are they proposing? They talk about they, an they executive just, order? Yeah, he's 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 making legislation via executive order, and essentially it says if you do if you're an editorial publisher, which we talk about all the time, we mm -hmm. think they're editorial publishers. You, know, you don't get the protections of two thirty, but it's so like confusing, and and they can't get you can't. Oh, I was talking to lawyers. I'm not a lawyer. You can't overturn a statute. You've got to do it through legislation. My whole point is, two thirty needs to be looked at again. But to do this and do it in this way means that it will have court challenges. It will mess this thing up, and good legislation around what should be done about tech liability will not be explored because Trump has has having a tantrum, and the and the Republicans rush, you know, yes sir, yes sir, and so it, apparently it's written badly. It has all these legal references, this thing called Pruneyard and Parkingham. They're the wrong references. And what it does is it, 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 it does by fiat what needs to be done legislatively by mm -hmm. our Congress. And that's the, that is, and it's done out of peak because he has to be able to drag a dead woman around the streets and, 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 and abuse her memory. I, I, I don't even, I can't even begin to see how the Republicans will get allies with the Democrats who are their natural allies. In yeah, but they're coming at it from different, they both hate social media, but for different reasons, right. Democrats and progressives think the social media has absolutely no standards around committing libel or slander that impacts people's lives unnecessarily with no fact. And then outside bad actors weigh in and just pour fuel on these terrible, heinous statements on Twitter and this abuse and hate crimes and all this shit. Whereas the Republicans believe that the social media platforms are demonstrating bias against conservative values, right? Right. Well, yes, that's their out, outside thing. I think mm -hmm. they're so the most cynical people on earth, all of them. And I think one of the issues is, first of all, they they don't want to focus on data regulation. They don't want to focus on privacy, where the re, where they're really going to get hurt. And instead, they'd rather have this ridiculous cultural debate, which is an important debate. But they're so like the, the whole idea that it's I can free speech, free speech, which Trump put in caps. The Constitution doesn't guarantee free speech if it's Twitter. It just doesn't. And well, they're not what, obligated to. They're not yeah. obligated to, but he's trying to, he like, he's conflating all these different, very important things because he's having a giant baby Huey tantrum. And that was, that's my, my issue is that this is, it's not that these companies, I, I believe in sensible regulation of tech companies mm -hmm. done in the way that it will stick and not this bullshit is really what it is. I mean, they, the, the, so some people like Senator Josh Hawley, who is not unintelligent, although he's, you know, a little too far down the conservative bias line for my taste, but nonetheless. Yeah, he, but he's he, definitely one of the more reasonable. I think Senator yes. Hawley, I know you know him well, yes. but he strikes me as at least he's thoughtful in trying to figure this shit out. He is, but now he's on the Trump bandwagon. He looks like a toady. He looks like a toady. He is a toady. Isn't he you know? one and of then, the younger Republicans? Isn't he, he like ninety three? Yeah, yeah, he's young. And then he like attaches Matt Getz to this bill, like because he couldn't Getz. get. I know the biggest, like literally the the most chuckle head of a congressman who doesn't know a thing. And then he's got this thing. The guy with hot, the gas mask. Yes, hot takes with Matt Getz. Like that's. Uh, let me tell you about tech. I was like, no, thank you, you, you. I. I 
I'm not going to call him names, but this, but I would. <laughs> Let me just say. So he has Matt Getz involved in it mm-hmm. and stuff. So it's just like it's it, it, it. Here as it is, if you're going to shoot it, Tech, you better not miss because these people are going to come at you with lobbyists, yeah, thousands of lawyers. And and what's really interesting is there's obviously a break here to take advantage of. Mark Zuckerberg went on Fox News uh, to sort of insult Jack Dorsey, saying he doesn't want to be an arbiter of truth, which that is not what Jack Dorsey is trying to do. And if you if Facebook thinks it just by having Joel Kaplan swan around with the Trump administration, they're going to get out of this, they're not going to. Okay, so you lost me. I just want to I just want to yeah. cut through. I, okay. I want to propose something, and you tell me. Right. To me, it's. You go to the root cause. I mean, this is symptoms, and we're trying to figure out a way to treat the symptoms. Isn't it the end of the day that the thing causing all this problem is the business model, that it's based on advertising, which is based on engagement. These algorithms have figured out the greatest way to get engagement is rage, even if it's from falsehood. So it's not First Amendment. It's not a First Amendment issue. The issue here is that crazy, oftentimes damaging messaging and narrative gets more oxygen than it would get organically because the algorithm has been trained to give oxygen to anti-vaxxers and white supremacists. So wouldn't be, wouldn't the most effective legislation be to figure out a, a small way to tax every message that's sponsored a penny and force these guys to move to a subscription model, which would A, probably result huh. in shareholder value creation and get rid of all the rage, turn off the rage machine? Well, you know, that it was interesting because there was a great Wall Street Journal article about this, which Facebook, of course, tried to shy away from, that they actually had all these studies showing this is exactly what this business do, does. And then they weren't, there's some people within the company which, who Facebook is calling disgruntled, who didn't like that Mark didn't want to take action on it. Um, and so, of course, anyone who actually wants to do something uh, about it, but it's, it's, pre- it's a pretty damning piece by the Wall Street Journal in that Facebook is like, I, I hate to say the word quizzling, but they're quizzlings in this. And they're trying to strike a deal with Trump so that they get out of this and they're throwing the rest of tech. Uh, well, they're co-conspirators. They're corrupt. They've realized that uh, let's circumvent laws, let's circumvent decency. And let's cut, let's cut a deal with the orange man and and keep on printing money. But I'll go back to the, I think the most elegant legislation addresses the externality, but also ideally unlocks shareholder value. We live in a capitalist mm-hmm. society. Yes, money is a great thing. Absolutely. When we broke up AT and T, it unlocked tremendous shareholder value, and it did away with a monopoly which had negative externalities. So my question is, and I just as a consumer, I think you and I would pay a decent amount of mon- money monthly for Twitter. I think a lot of people would pay for Instagram, yep. and it yep. might not have the global reach, but it would probably it would have recurring revenue, which gets valued at a higher multiple. So if they held on to twenty percent of their user base and had seven hundred million instead of three and a half billion, but they were each paying one, three, five, ten bucks a month based on the servicing, I think you'd end up with a company that's more valuable. They didn't have the rage machine trying to pit us against each other. Netflix doesn't get weaponized. Netflix doesn't make us hate each other. Twitter makes us hate each other. Well, it may be the nature. What's interesting, I just got a a text from a very smart person, a lawyer. I can't say who it is right now because I haven't asked for permission, but uh, this person wrote, uh, this is wrong on many levels. And no, Corbin and, Benson from LA Law? Yes, that's right. <laughs> An executive order cannot amend the clear language of 230 nor change the longstanding First Amendment jurisprudence on private companies versus public forum. It is most likely the case that Twitter does not have the immunity for the flags, Twitter or any of these companies, does not
does not have the immunity for the flags it puts on user content, but it should not make it responsible for third parties' content. This is an act of intimidation against platforms and a crass distraction for the rest of the media. Um, and this is the p- important part, which I think is key. It would be great to have a reasoned, nuanced conversation on how to build the right public policy for content moderation and disinformation in general, but it's hard to see this EO as anything other than a political distraction from the milestone of human suffering we face this week. Um, And the last part, which is interesting, Twitter may be responsible for the added content, get the facts, but under Section 230, it's 20 years of case law and the First Amendment, it clearly has the right to remove Mr. Trump's personal account. That is, at least as a legal matter, the cleaner solution, but probably not one he wants. I mean, I'm just, this goes so many ways and it's been done on literally the back of an envelope because Elon Musk's uh, uh, rocket ship didn't go up when he was there. I don't know what else to say. Yeah. So again, I just think you got to go after, you got to get the virus to stop replicating. And I I don't see any other way or a more elegant solution than figuring out a way to encourage them to change their business model. As soon as it goes from advertising to subscription, the world becomes a better place. And I think they're worth more. Yeah, absolutely. And so we'll see what happens. I think it'll, 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 it'll not survive a court challenge from what everybody tells me. And it'll go like most of his things, it'll go by the wayside and we will not get the kind of tech legislation we need. And by the way, we need it around privacy, around data and everything else. And, you know, it was interesting, someone on, uh, on, um, on Twitter last time was like, you were, you're just against it. You were for the, the getting rid of 230, which I never actually have been. I've thought about reforming it is what is important, uh, because Trump did it. No, I'm not for it because this imbecile has allowed it to, has allowed the real shot at regulating tech to, to go away. And that's my, that's what I'm furious about. Wait, which imbecile are we talking about? The president? Trump. Oh, Trump. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And his, his minions all over the place. And, and, and just the way they're using it. And of course, it's all used for two things. One, a political game, which is to get his base up saying he can't say what he wants. And by the way, he can't. And secondly, um, and secondly, to, to it's 100,000 deaths from COVID. And that's what this is really about, isn't it? It's that let's distract from the real point, which is uh, this, this incredible, horrible landmark of, uh, for the United States being number one in coronavirus deaths. And so just, just uh, as a journalist, I'm just sort of curious, what happens when you, you publish that article? Yeah. And it's created a decent amount of controversy. Mm-hmm. I know senators have reached out to you. Does it create a lot of, like, what happens to your inbox? Do you feel pressure? Do you feel anxiety? Like, what happens? No. Do people get angry at you? Do people support you? What What's happened? What's going no. on with Kara? What's, what's going, going on with Kara? I, um, I, you know, uh, I, Chuck Todd calls me a lot, but... Um, it, Chuck it, Todd it, calls it, me a lot. Like, That's it, the weakest flex in the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for you. No, but I mean, well, TVP, good for you. TVP, you have to do a lot of stuff. To, that, that's besides the point. I'm joking. Howie Mandel wants yeah. to have drinks with me. Listen, <laughs> Top that. Listen to me. Don't even start. Look at Chuck me. You, Todd have, called An- me. you have Anderson Chuck Cooper, Todd so you win. You win. Uh, I'm just saying, that was a joke. Well, that was smell a jo- you. <laughs> <laughs> Not all of us can be oh, Anderson my. Cooper's favorite professor. Why does you that make me happy? I know Chuck it really Todd does. Calls you. Listen to me. Listen, okay. it was a joke. You hit I'm the big time. Listen to me. No, I'm actually going on Stephanie Rule tomorrow. Oh, uh, now person. that's something to brag about. All right, about. okay. Uh, you know, I t- I do a lot of talking about it. Here's 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 what it does is 
I was I really did focus on this Twitter because I really do want to I want these discussions to happen. And mm-hmm. so um I you know I, I I don't I don't feel pressure. I don't know what the pressure is. I think I would like what happens is you unleash things like this that is are are unintended consequences, I guess. And I, I don't think it's me. I think it is tr- Trump it may in fact have been do- doing this so that he could pick a fight with these people. Um, but I think it, what my worry is is that in calling attention to this, bad actors like Trump get a hold of it and misuse it. And that's really, I think, what's most disappointing here is that we're not going to get the kind of legislation we need to control big tech. And I think they'll emerge, they'll, they will unleash their army of lobbyists. They will send their money. They will make sure that they are not included in this kind of stuff and, and therefore innovation suffers. And everything. So that's my, that's my great worry is that you have one shot at these people and 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 this is this is not the shot. I mean, what I, so uh, you need to get Elizabeth Warren involved. You need to get. I don't see Elizabeth Warren jumping in here, and this is her natural. You know what I mean? Because it looks like you need intimidation and retaliation, and it looks like. But you don't do legislation as punishment. You just don't. Even though you, it feels like you should. You do it thoughtfully. You do it. By the way, you need to do it for the good of tech too. You don't want this industry to be hobbled. You want to, you want to work with everybody in a way that, that everybody's interests are, are best served, especially consumers. And that's my goal as consumers. So, uh, so I agree legislation is warranted across the, the whole industry and we need to update this 23 year old legislation. There's no doubt about that. But even before then, there's a layer of governance called the board of directors Mm-hmm. at Twitter. Yes. And what I don't get is I think it's time that they would put together. Their standards are basically have become uh, a, a flaccid piece of, of paper to occasionally try and defend themselves. They don't apply it uniformly. There's no consistency. Yes. They're not I standards. Think, They're, I don't think you can, but well, go ahead. What I don't understand is why don't they come out with some basics and, I, and they announce on, you know, in two weeks or whatever, Look, these are the general standards we're trying, to, and they list eleven thousand accounts, and one of them is the real, you know, the real Donald Trump, yeah. and they kick him off. Yeah. I, yeah. The, the people who follow him, I believe, you know, good people, bad people, but I don't think they're worth a lot to advertisers. And what I yeah. don't understand is just from a business standpoint, starching their hat white. I won't even say starching it white, but taking it from black to kind of you know light black. They would. Uh, I think they would get a lot of kudos, and I don't think they'd lose that much. I don't think. Yeah. I think a lot of people would rally to their support. You know, it would it would create some consistency right. between this whole namaste bullshit perception that Jack puts out there that is totally hypocritical, and and also at the same time, advertisers don't. The 80 million people that are following Donald Trump, quite frankly, are not who who advertisers want to reach. I don't think it would well, hurt their business. It also, that a much. lot of it's bots and lots of it. But you know, you're right. We have to move on because. But this is a, this is going to be an ongoing thing. It just is like it would be really nice if Josh Hawley and, and Elizabeth Warren can get along here. And I can't imagine she's going to enter this fray. She's going to wait. She's going to bide her time, and she's going to be the one that does thoughtful legislation, which is going to which will, will tech, go nowhere as long which as, will go as, nowhere, as long right, as Republicans exactly. control the Senate. Exactly. Anyway, all right, Scott, we're going to go to a quick break and come back to talk about SpaceX, Amazon's annual shareholder meetings, and a listener mail question. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor. What's a mistake they made that changed their approach? 
and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back. Uh, SpaceX was scheduled to launch its rocket Crew Dragon into space this week, but the launch was delayed due to weather. They'll try again this Saturday. The president went down there and had to come back, as you saw in some of the uh, news reports. If they're successful, the launch will catapult a private company off of the Earth for the first time in history. They'll make Elon Musk the first American capitalist to expand beyond the planet. So this is really, I I do think it's exciting, and their suits are pretty nifty. Um, Mm -hmm. So is the future of space exploration going to be privatized? And there's obviously profits here. Um, Where does this leave NASA, who's working with uh, Elon Musk and Bezos and Blue Origin? And, of course, there's Richard Branson and others. So how do you look at this? Because you're you're a longtime Elon Musk critic, but uh, pretty, pretty cool stuff going on here, I think. I I, just, I don't think there's anything getting around it. It's it's inspiring, and the fact that they can put a you know a gallon or or a pound of material into space for what appears to be a fraction of what a government has been able to cost government has been able to put it into space and innovation and uh, a, a new space race. Um, I just I, I just worry though. I don't know. I, I would just privatization. Love- Pardon? For the privatization. Well, and also, I'm a I'm I'm a guy who remembers when I was four or five years old, you know, getting excited. I had that picture of the astronauts of Buzz Aldrin and in my room, and and then I had the commemorative Franklin Mint coins of the space shuttle, and so NASA was always sort of heroic for me. NASA yeah. was pure and all heroic. Of us. I think all of us, and, and they did a good job at PR. I hate to say that, but there was a lot of yeah, the good. movies and, and by the way, they had one of the like best that. websites initially. NASA and, the, and, and also the, all the movies, the right stuff, and like yeah, so. they had a whole thing going. They had a whole so thing going. I, I always think, well, I mean, so for example, the original content budget of Netflix. Amazon and Apple is going to be approximately this year the budget for NASA. And yeah. I think, okay, maybe capitalism isn't working. Yeah. So, look, a space race, innovation in space, you know, I think there's more more interesting things around putting solar panels in kind of near space than there is around trying to colonize Mars. I think colonizing, colonizing Mars has always seemed like a, a, just a crazy thing. Although I would like Newt Gingrich to be the first man on Mars. He seems to be a fan of it. Let's leave him there. Drop him off. Uh, I've never really understood that, but I, yeah. I think well, it's exciting. Well, there's a lot of people like what that. Do you you don't want to go to Mars? You don't want to go to Mars. That's interesting. Most, yeah, like, I don't want to leave my house. Go to that's Mars. That's true. That's fair. I don't want to go yeah, to Publix. 
You're unlike a lot of people. They all want to go up and do that. I don't have any oh, interest God, that whatsoever. That would be crazy. I don't even want to go up for this short flight to look back at the earth. I know that's, it feels like I'll vomit know. a lot. It feels like a lot of vomiting. Yeah. That's what I, you know. I want to watch the right stuff and go to sleep. Have an edible yeah. and go to sleep. Boom. Yeah. Done. I, I, think, I think two things. I think as in many things, Elon Musk is innovating here, just like with cars. I don't yeah. think all the car makers would have moved without Tesla. They, they, whatever you think of the valuation, he has caused things to happen, right? Caused important. He's, uh, he's and by the way, important things he's to happen. He's a genius. He just has, in my opinion, fairly mediocre character. But anyways, oh, but oh. I'll give you an example. <laughs> the, right. the, 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 I think the more exciting thing that he's mm-hmm. doing as we're glomming on is the tunnel they're building in Vegas. The I think I the Boring the Company is more interesting than SpaceX. I do, too. I do, too. He invited can, me to see it, but now he's probably mad at me. But, well, but, but, yes. but, but think about this is an enormous opportunity, and that is coming out of this pandemic, it's not only about what will be different, but what will we leave behind? And one of the things that I think we would, and I am not an environmentalist, but I would like to leave a lot of these emissions behind. And mm-hmm. are there, I feel like we should, as soon as possible, pave over highways. And in some in some regions, they've done that. They've just gone to all pedestrian areas. Yeah. And what if we were to, I think Elon Musk saying, okay, these are the 12 busiest routes in the world, and we're just going to build tunnels between downtown Chicago and O'Hare between Midtown and LaGuardia, I still can't figure out why we don't have a, a nine-minute subway between Midtown and LaGuardia. But I think that is actually has a lot more Power. impact on people's lives. Agree. The most, the, the next trillionaire is not going to be about putting a man on Mars. It's going to be about giving you a year or two years of your life back from shit like watching advertising oh, like or managing your kids' That's diabetes big thought, Scott or Gallen. commuting to work or the airport. That's the that opportunity. That is a big friggin' thought. I agree with you. I think here's my worry privatization of anything that mm-hmm. I think should be public. This is something for the all of humanity. And Agreed. I think the idea, you know, I keep going back to the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie about the guy who ran Mars. Like, you're going to have people selling oxygen, and this is how much it cost. Yeah. And no, I so I, the privatization yeah. of anything that is, I think, there's certain things that are public, public, are goods. Public, yeah. public goods. And the idea that that uh, Google or, uh, or SpaceX or anybody else controls uh, space and controls satellites and controls this and that without very serious government uh, involvement seems, and here they are involved in everything else, but it's just the private, you know, uh, the, the the proclivity of, of some in our government to want to privatize everything is dangerous. And you can see it happening with private prisons, which abuses happen. It's just, there's some things we have to do as a people, as a group of people, but, you know, we can't even wear masks at the same time. So, But a lot of it just comes down to funding, and that is we have consistently, we've decided, all right, let's pay for wars and let's pay for tax cuts on rich people. As a result, we have to defund government. And when you defund yep. government, the best yep. and brightest don't go to work for NASA any longer. Do they go to work for Bridgewater? You know. Yeah. So if we want government to be more competent, if we want, and I do think actually government is a lot more competent than people give them credit for. Agreed. Agreed. But we have to fund them. So the best lawyers in the world, the best, the guys who guys and gals who come out of NYU law school, come out of Bolt Law School, Need need to get better yeah. better pay and have a more prestigious career going to work for the Department of Justice and being than being a, a, a lawyer who draws up investment memorandums for for yeah. private equity firms. I do so think the Justice Department, government. except until Bill Barr, has been a place where people do want to go and punch their ticket for sure. That's mm. that, I don't think that's lost. That but did NASA lose. used to get the best and brightest. Yeah, I'm not sure. Exactly. I think most of them go to no. Google now. Yep, they do. Or, or or work for Elon Musk. In any case, we're going to move on to the next story this week. Amazon will be holding their annual shareholder meetings. A group of Amazon shareholders are using the moment to urge the company's board of directors to release more data about its efforts to protect workers. 
the Los Angeles Times had a devastating story about this, by the way. Amazon hasn't disclosed how many warehouse workers have died from coronavirus. The company also hasn't provided a total number of workers who have fallen ill from the virus. So these shareholders meetings, I have covered lots of shareholders meetings in my in my long life as a reporter. Mm-hmm. And there used to be, as you know, Evelyn Y. Davis, we used to come to meetings, all kinds of people. Does this work, these shareholders? These, to me, they're just kabuki shows. But what do you, uh, will the shareholders be able to do anything about this? I think not. But what is your take? Uh, absolutely nothing. The only reason Twitter's under fire is because what's, what is worse than creating despair, creating shame, creating um, anxiety in people's lives f- for, you know, so more people click on Chobani ads, which is essentially what Jack Dorsey, under the governance of Omid Kordestani, is the chairman of the board. When they decide that an extra nickel is worth the risk of really ruining people's lives, that is that is bad. What's worse in the eyes of a capitalist society is when you have poor shareholder returns. So Amazon can largely get away with almost anything right now because mm-hmm. their stock's going up. And at the end of the day, a shareholder meeting is, is for shareholders. And so you're basically inviting the biggest fans in the world to his. Right. It's, a, it's an agora. It's a celebration because there's just no getting around it. If you had purchased $100 of stock in Amazon, you it'd be worth $11,000 right now. Yeah. Yeah. And you have a lot of people showing up who, because of Jeff Bezos' leadership and vision, their kids have better health care, they get to go vacation at Amman Resorts, and they have a broader selection set of mates. And so they they might say, yeah, that'd be great. But at the end of the day, we love this guy and he's delivering. The Twitter shareholder meeting will be more interesting because you can be, it's like dating in New York. I know a lot of guys mm-hmm. in New York who are really despicable, but as long as they're making a lot of money, they're fine. It's when they stop making money that people notice how despicable they are. Oh, and that's okay. what's happening. Isn't that nice? And Thank that's what's that. happening with Twitter. <laughs> Look at dating in the modern Twitter's, age. Okay. Twitter's crime isn't being despicable. It's being despicable and not showing a return to shareholders. And Amazon has not despicable. committed that crime. Amazon continues to deliver in spades. And this guy right now, <laughs> he's going to go down, in my opinion, as the most visionary guy in business, vaccination of a supply chain. They're, yeah. they're just firing on so many cylinders. They're... Yeah. Even if you compare them against, there's big tech and then there's Amazon and Amazon is just kind of running away with it. So that that shareholder meeting, yeah, yeah there'll be some people in tie-dye barking at the moon. It's not going to it's not going to yeah, mean you a know, thing. You know, I I hate how you don't love democracy. You hate democracy, don't you? Barking at the moon. They're saying their peace. They have free speech. Well, the Capital problem letters. the problem with democracy, the problem with democracy is the demo. The problem with democracy is the people part. And that is <laughs> democracy. Did you just pull some Latin out on me? Well, here's the did thing. Did you just Latin at me? Democracy just, on, well, hold on. Just, I want to know, this, did you Latin at me? I did Latin. I went Latin. I went all Latin <laughs> on your jungle cat. So look, democracy <laughs> is, so facto. Go ahead. is hugely flawed. What's, what's, yeah. the, what's, what's the innovation in democracy is a liberal democracy. And I don't mean liberal in a progressive way, but the fact that we've been smart enough to insert institutions so we don't have mob democracy and right. we slow the demo down, and that is we have courts, we have laws, we have regulatory agencies, we have media that says, okay, let's really look at this issue before we start pulling people out of cars and hanging them because a bunch of people decide that's a good idea. We don't vote by phone because we want to slow things down and have people go through elections, go through debates, file who's giving them money, even though that's gone away with Citizens United. 
The, the innovation here isn't democracy. The innovation is a, a liberal democracy that in, inserts institutions to play on our slow thinking. So I don't like democracy. All right. Okay. All right. Well, here's the deal. I think it sounds like a Kara Swisher column. Maybe I could set something as if they, sh- I think they should release the names. If they're going to be, they have this vaccinated workforce, they might as well own up to how many people are sick there. That's my feeling. All right. Um, I think they should produce it. I think they should say how many people have gotten sick, how many people have died and what they're doing about it. I think that would be such an interesting and, and, uh, uh, Way to do it and to handle it. I think. They oh my get God, my new hero. We got to talk what? about this before I forget. What? We're not okay, doing all right. We got to get to listener. Okay. What? What? Oh, absolutely, my new hero. Very quick. Biggest okay. gangster, Andrew Ross Sorkin. Did you see the exchange between oh, him I did. and Joe Kernan? Yeah, I, I was just texting with his wife. Rebecca, let's cue the exchange between um, Andrew and Joe Kernan. Hold on, I'm not going to do this with you, Joe. Every morning, every morning, you try to question the questions I'm asking. These are these are questions that investors are asking. Every single morning, I am just trying to get through some of this clutter. I may be right. I may be wrong. Investors may be right. They may be wrong. That's what makes a market. But it doesn't make people a good person or a bad person. It doesn't make it, doesn't make it right to, to, to <sighs> act the way you are. I'm sorry. Oh, my. That guy. I thought he was just this nice Canadian spy. By the way, he's not a Canadian or a spy, but I'm convinced he is. That yeah, guy, he literally described the baton of the next generation of leadership and media. Oh, he really did. That I was thought good. Joe he Kernan. was so Team Andrew, powerful. Right? Team Andrew, and he just made Joe Kernan look like this oh. ridiculous fossil, like out of touch. Like I've been saving, and and Joe Kernan and CNBC perfectly epitomize what is wrong with America right now, and that is if the human oh, species, wow. okay. if the human race gets wiped out, that'd be bad. But what would be worse if this, if the Nasdaq goes down? That was yeah. his defense. I've been yeah. saving people from selling the shares only, at the bottom. Let me just That's say, I, tried, I read the whole thing, and I'm on Team Andrew 100%. But he did make a point is that you – that's right. He did. And I think one of the things – that he put about is how do you how do you not panic in this? But he wasn't making a smart argument. He was making a a, a venal argument. He, he, was, so, he accused Andrew of panicking about PPP, and I went back and yeah. all Andrew did was highlight that doctors and hospitals couldn't get basic yeah, PPE. That's not panicking. Mm-hmm. He just that's I know. bringing to light how fucked up I, and how American I, exceptionalism is not that exceptional I thought it was anymore. A, I thought he was great. I, I, it'd be interesting to see when they get back in the studio. That's all I have to say. I have never enjoyed talking to Joe Kernan when I'm on that show. Hey, Joe Kernan is. I think Joe Kernan is actually. Very very bright. I think he's a good yes, analyst. Yes. But when he starts berating a fellow uh, yeah. a fellow co-host because yeah, you know to 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 such that, that he yeah. can get a call from his buddy President Trump and I go way to go Joe. I mean, yeah. and yeah. meanwhile Andrew's like Andrew made a point like okay you know a hundred thousand people have died right yeah yeah okay Scott we've got a listener question roll tape you've got you've got I can't believe I'm gonna be a mailman you, you, you've got mail. Hey, hey, Scott and Kara, this is Zeta calling in from Massachusetts with a question. I've been noticing tons of mental health platforms and therapy-based apps popping up everywhere. You have BetterHelp, Ginger, Regain, Talkspace, Headspace, Mood Mission, etc., etc. No doubt that this country needs to confront our mental health crisis and we all need to talk about our feelings more often, but what's the longevity of these platforms and where do you both see this market going next? I mean, is tech entering into mental health going to help or hurt us? 
Well, that's a great question because some of them are our sponsors. I think BetterHelp is our sponsor. Um, we've had Headspace, uh, obviously, as a sponsor at one point. But here's the deal. Uh, I didn't even know about Mood Mission. I, I never heard of that. I don't think it's a bad thing for people to seek mental health wherever they can. And so the question is, is about... Um, uh, confidentiality, about data, about things like that. Uh, but I, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing that more people avail themselves. There's been so many recent stories about how depressed this country is. I think a third of people are in depression. There was a story I saw run by the other day in one of the, one of the newspapers. So, Scott, what do you think? This is your biggest area. Well, it, just as we used to hide the disabled because we were ashamed of them, and, and FDR had the confidence towards the end of his presidency to to make, to be more transparent about his disability uh, and we became more comfortable and more empathetic about people with disability and then we started talking about cancer openly and that it wasn't shameful if you had breast or prostate cancer it didn't mean there was anything bad or wrong about you we started talking about cancer more openly that gives us the resources and the ability to start to deal with these things and also brings people out of the shadows so they don't feel shamed and live live lives that are are worse than they need to be. And the same thing, the wonderful unlock here is that over the last, I would say just five or 10 years, we've started talking openly about mental health. Yeah. And so I think the marketing and I think the profit incentive here is actually a good thing. And the the larger trend though, is that I think two of the biggest unlocks, if you will, uh, that COVID-19 is accelerating is what I would refer to as the great dispersion. And that is can we deliver certification and education, even if it doesn't have yeah. the experience of a college degree or college without running it through the filter and the constraints of a campus? And the biggest unlock is probably the dispersion away from hospitals and doctor's rooms having realized that 95 to 99.9% of people that contracted, survived, and developed antibodies for COVID-19 never went into a hospital, much less a doctor's office. So the ability yeah. to Take the telemedicine, yeah, all this telemedicine. One medical. Would you invest? Yeah, would you? I, I one medical. One medical. One medical will yeah. likely be. Um, it's it's stocks up substantially, but I think one medical stock is going to be one of those five or ten baggers over the next three what, years. What about any of these? And I don't own these, them. I don't own these them. meditation. Would you buy into these these therapy ones? I mean, obviously, I'm sure you've been approached. Um, yeah, so I have been approached by those. I think the the meditation that Sam Harris has one. Um, I think that stuff is really powerful. I think it'll be a feature, not a standalone product of something okay. bigger. I think the stuff that will create tremendous shareholder value is the harder stuff, and that is figuring out HIPAA compliance. Uh -huh. um, one medical, I think it's multi-channel. I think it's a mix of, of clinics, brick and mortar clinics, and smart cameras, and the ability, if you're camping and your kid gets a rash and he was in poison ivy, you immediately want to pull someone up on your phone. Right. And then have them give you the security to say, okay, you need to pack up the tents and get here. Or say, no, you're fine. Tomorrow, drive into town and get this steroid ointment. And I've already written a prescription and it's been electronically. Yeah. There's just so because much. A, a lot of these things are patterns, like a lot of things people get. I, I do that with my dermatologist now almost completely. I go in uh, because I th I'm really obsessed with the idea of skin cancer. But um, but I definitely sent her. We do, we do it a lot through photos. Like, look at this. Yeah, uh, 100%. And, it's, and it works just fine. It works great. And then when we go in, it's always the correct diagnosis, which is really interesting. And I think you're right. If you could actually touch it and then they could get a sample, there's probably ways to do that someday, sort of Star Trekian. But um, a lot of stuff for sure. And it, people have really dropped off going to doctors during this COVID crisis. And I think as a lot of things, it finds you don't need to. You don't need to. One of the problems of this country is that we are constantly 
like running into emergency rooms and it raises costs and things like that. And we don't have like a really uh, like things like one medical, which I think work really well, where you have just a, a place to go as if you're going to the store, like that you're going to the store. And so it'll be interesting. So, uh, I, the, the issue is that if Google or Amazon start buying these things up and they have all your data and including this very highly personal data, we need le- legislators, smart legislators to make sure uh, that this stuff is not this data. Again, is not again it's, it's uh, in my That's opinion, it's a, it's a DOJ and an antitrust thing. But back to h- online mental health, there's two things we need to remove. We need to remove the shame, and I think we're doing a good job of that. Yeah. And then the next thing we need to remove is the friction. So I have a friend who reached out to me who's actually a fairly famous, well-resourced guy and smart. Yeah. And he called me and he said, um, my daughter has been struggling, and it's done a number on me, and I'm struggling. Do you know of someone uh, I could speak to? Because you and Kara talk about mental health a lot. And it just struck me that a guy with these resources and this intelligence and Google didn't know where to go, didn't know who to yeah. reach out to. Well, we talked about that with testing. Like, what do we do? We were like, ah, we're smart people. But right? it, it, anything that removes the friction such that you can pull up an app and get matched with a great therapist or someone who focuses on if your child is struggling because of COVID-19 and lacks the structure of school and socialization to be connected immediately with a, you know, a juvenile adolescent psychiatrist, this is wonderful. And this is an opportunity for technology to remove friction, reduce costs, reduce the shame, do it pri- in, the, in the privacy of your own home, not feel self-conscious about going to some building in the Upper East Side mm-hmm. or wherever it is you go and waiting in the waiting room and, and not making eye contact with the person going in and leaving. Um, yeah, I think this is a wonderful thing. Whether big tech gets into it and whether the DOJ actually wakes up from their 20-year slumber mm-hmm. and says, sorry, slumber. we don't want you in this, you know, that's yeah. a different issue. But on the whole, these apps and these innovations around mental health, I think it's a wonderful thing. I do see Amazon moving in here. Oh, yeah. Mo- what, 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 what yeah. Are, other than this one, other than manufacturing cars, I mean, what, are the, what won't they move into? I, yeah. Here they come. Yeah. Yeah. How, would you use one? Would you use one? Uh, an online online therapist. Uh, therapist. Oh, I would hundred percent. I don't. I, I and I'm not. I'm. Uh, I was about to say I don't. I'm not in therapy. I should be, but um, I would absolutely use them. And I'm all about um, uh, my Easy. doctor. I go to this one of these VIP concierge doctors, and the only reason I do it, I like my old doctor, but he couldn't for HIPAA reasons or something, or because the clinic. I couldn't text with them. So the only right. reason yep, I go to see right. my you doctor. That's right, you go on those platforms, those weird platforms. I go to yeah, get my, my, my prescription of Lunesta refilled. Mm-hmm. I can't sleep if I'm not in my own bed, and I'm not in my own bed a lot because I travel mm-hmm. a lot. And they would say, you got to come back in. We got to talk to you. You got to make an appointment. You got to fill out that same damn paperwork again. Yeah. And so what I, I went to a much higher priced VIP thing where now for whatever reason I can text the guy and he'll text right. me back. Yep. I had I had I had this situation with my doctor. I had to get on a really kludgy thing to talk to her about something that was simple and she couldn't talk to me on the phone and she couldn't text That's with ridiculous. me. And we went on to this super kludgy thing and I said, This is just not the way it was very it was and it was something I should have talked to her quicker about. But anyway, it's an interesting topic. Thank you so much, uh, Zeta from Thank you, Zeta. Uh, Massachusetts. We really it's a great topic. By the way, I was a Zeta beta tau at UCLA, so I feel a bond right. with Zeta. All right. Okay. Whatever that is, you, pre- you frat boy. That's right. You're a frat boy. All pre- right. It's got one more. Go president ahead. of the Fraternity Council, King of the Jarheads, as I like to call it. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. All right, Scott. One more quick break. We'll be back for predictions. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. 
If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Scott, last week you predicted Shopify was going to make a big purchase. I thought that was a really smart prediction. I think there's still time to see if that one comes true, but give us another one. I thought that was really actually very intelligent. Um, and uh, on my other podcast, Prop G, I interviewed the founder of um, Square and uh, Jim McKelvey, who's got a book out, and he was saying that he thought the biggest threat to Square and Payments systems with Shopify, which I thought was oh. really interesting. I wasn't thinking huh. about it. He also wow. said some, some else something very interesting, that he thought the best payment system in the world was Uber because he just had to get out of the backseat. I thought that was really insightful. Yep, yep. Uh, anyways, uh, my prediction Actually, is that... Um, I got out of a cab the other day without paying. Uh, like, all I, of us do. Not all recently. of us do. And they're not. They're used to it. They're like, hey, buddy, this is a, see, it's yellow. You got to pay. You got to <laughs> pay so us. so funny. Yeah. It's so funny how you get used you to things. Anyway, out. go ahead. Predictions. Uh, so I think that... Um, I think that uh, or I predict, I think we're going to have a vaccine later than everyone would like to think. Um, I mm -hmm. think these things are hard. Uh, I hope it happens really fast. Um, and, and by the way, all these universities, and I've um, been thinking a lot about this, who are announcing that their opening in fall is nothing but a CEO talking up uh, uh, his stock because everybody wants to, every university needs people to send in their deposits right now. Uh, oh, universities are not going to open gonna in the fall. They're going to send it. They're not okay. Gonna open. Oh wow. Oh, don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. Unless Wait, we have I, a vaccine and it's distributed. I mean, just and I hate to. And by the way, the people I work with at NYU are super thoughtful, super empathetic, and I whatever they ask me to do, I'm going to do mm -hmm. just because I trust yeah. them. But right. what I would what I would project is unless we have a vaccine by September 1st, are we really going to send 55 year olds into a room? with 170 kids where the windows don't open, and then on week 12, send them to the four corners of the earth. It's as if we've decided to try and super spread the virus globally again. And the notion that universities just don't work until there's a vaccine unless they're remote. And Cal State and Cambridge have the confidence to say, and the only ones that are being really honest in the sense that they know what they're gonna do, are the ones who said we're going all online in 2020 and we're gonna focus on that because, and why can they do that, Kara? 
because mm-hmm. Cal State, which is kind of the unsung hero mm-hmm. of California, educates 500,000 people. The majority of them are commuters. The tuition is $7,000 in state, 7,000 in state, 18,000 out of state. So if they give you some education, some certification and a decent online experience, it's worth it. And everyone creating or, or continuing this bullshit narrative and acting like their leaders saying we're coming back in the fall, it's because they're protecting their $58,000 experience in adult a childcare yeah. system that no longer makes sense. I like your whole education thing, your whole reform education bent. It's I a like huge opportunity. I agree with Ohio you. Ohio State. But now, you're, now you've Ohio me. State. Ohio State will educate almost as many as many kids as the entire Ivy League combined. What an opportunity for Google to go to Ohio State and say, you cut your cost 10 or 20%, because let's be honest, some of these tenured people just need to be shed and face the same competitive pressure that everyone faces every day. And we're going to bring the cost per student down 30 or 40% using technology. It's going to be a hybrid model, and you're going to educate 100,000 kids. And we're going to go back to where it was when I was in high school, where 40% of applicants get into UCLA, not 15 now. We need to reverse yeah. this trend. And it's a I, huge I, opportunity. I, I like this Scott Galloway. This is a Scott Galloway I can get behind. <laughs> Thanks for that. As opposed to Thanks the other Scott Galloways. The other Scott appalling. Galloways. Appalling. But appalling. that's not even my prediction. I got off what? on a tangent. My oh prediction, my uh, the vaccine is coming. It's coming out of China. China has the largest espionage network in the world where they send people to graduate schools here. They plant them in the best companies, including the best biotech companies. They leak information back to their Chinese counterparts who are much oh, wow. more coordinated, much more disciplined, and they are going to come up with a vaccine, and it's going to be about a moment or a week of hand-wringing whether we use it, and then we will use it, but the vaccine's coming out of China. Oh, wow. I like that one. That's a, what do you, you have some very bold predictions lately. I like your predictions of boldness. I like it. I like it. It's the edibles. I, I see. Oh, here we go. There's the other Scott. He's back. Okay. Right. <laughs> That's a big one. Chinese vaccine. We it's will take out the of China. China. And you know what? No one's uh, even thought uh, of that. Right, we think we're, uh, we think it's, it's just, we're such narcissists in the U.S. Right. We think we have a lock on innovation. No, we don't. No, we do not. We, <laughs> we do don't. not. Alibaba is more innovative than, than fucking Facebook or Amazon 100%. right now. It's a big, I've always said that when I, I said it's a big mistake to talk about Chinese as copycats. That may be, but they're also good. Well, at no, they're making. thieves, but they're smart. Well, they're fantastic know. at it. And by I, the way, that's what we, anyways, I'm not even going to go there. But corporate espionage is the new corporate Cold War um, spy versus spy, and they're bad at it. I like it. I think you're correct. And I think we will probably, t- you will take the vaccine, the Chinese vaccine, won't you? Day one. If you had the Chinese virus, you need to take the Chinese vaccine. Day anyway. one. I mean, 88% of my toys under the Christmas tree and every chip sensor set in my phone is from China. Why wouldn't I? I mean, yeah. it's so ridiculous to be like, I wouldn't take a vaccine out of China. Well, your whole life is taken out of China, Bob. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see if, it, as in mass, it becomes a political uh, football. It, it will, will be, be for about a week. And then people decide, yeah, well, No, I don't know. It's one aside. of these things. And I'm, I, it sort of reminds me, I was thinking around the whole mass thing, that the some people in the GOP, not all of them, as I said, Mike DeWine and others are really smart, is that they're suicidal and homicidal at the same time. And that's, they, in this case, if they don't take a vaccine that works, they're suicidal. So that's the way it goes. All right, Scott. Do you have any predictions? Uh, I don't. I think I'll leave them to you. This my prediction is that I have. I'm going to try to make another splash next week. How about that? I'm going to try to set off a firestorm. I will set off another firestorm. That is my prediction. You're um, catalyzing a conversation. I think it's important. I am. What you're doing. I think it is too. I think it is too. I do too. And I we'll see where it goes. I don't love it every direction it goes in, but I don't have control of uh, uh, you know uh, serenity now, as the great uh, Jerry Stiller said, the late great Jerry, Jerry Stiller. Stiller. 
Yeah, he just died. Oh, yeah, just, yeah, Ben's dad. Just the Seinfeld died. guy. Yeah. Anyway, Scott, it's time to get out of here. Are you going to watch Elon Blast into Space for order this weekend? No, I'm watching myself on Anderson Cooper tonight, and then my TV show on Vice, which you never pimp at 10 p.m. Oh, no mercy I will knowledge. pimp. Will you Talking tell me Talking about media tonight. Oh, and you're on. You're on. Wait, are you on? I'm on it. I will pimp it then. Yes, I am. We talk to each other. I, what did we you talk do, about? You do a drive-by. You're on. What did we talk about? In your Handmaid's Tale outfit. Oh, stop it. You need some help. Amanda, literally, yeah. we need a fashion intervention here. No, Where's Amanda? Do you know, Where's Amanda? You know what I did? I made her scones last night. In the middle of the night, I was oh, texting and arguing with people, and that's I made sweet. scones in the middle of the night, and she sent me a beautiful picture saying, these are so beautiful. You're so thoughtful. Thank you very much. That's what she's doing. She's eating my delicious scones. In any case, they're not hmm. too dry, as for Larry David, if you'd like one. They're very fluffy. Anyway, don't forget, if there's a story in the news and you're curious about it and want to hear our opinion on it, email us at pivot at voxmedia.com to be featured on the show. Read us out, please. Oh, today's episode was produced by Rebecca Sinanis. Our executive producer is Erica Anderson. Special thanks to Drew Burrows. Fernando Finete engineered our program. If you like what you heard, please download or subscribe. Uh, it's a beautiful day here in Florida. I hope it's a beautiful day where you are. And uh, let's be kind on our social media platforms. And let's ignore and not buy the products of anything, anything near a mean or a hateful tweet. Let's Let's call on our better angels, Kara. Let's call on our, right. be- our mejora angeles. Terrible yeah. Spanish, but you know what I mean. All right. Thank you, Scott. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.